Hello and good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is that you might be listening to this. I am glad that you are here spinning it with me. Oh, wow. Can you believe it? December 1st already? 2019. Where has the time gone? In just 25 days. Christmas will be here. It always goes so fast, doesn't it? I already feel like I'm two weeks behind and it's only December 1st. Hey, really, I am glad that you're here uh, with us today as we are going to be looking at the gospel of Luke, but we got to do a couple of housekeeping things before we begin, just laying down some ground rules. Want everybody to know, I do not consider myself to be a Luke expert. Not a chance, not even close. I was just following along with some of the uh, social media posts where they were making the suggestion. Hey, read a chapter of Luke a day starting December 1st, and by the time you get to Christmas, you would have read about the Savior who is coming and learn more about him, know more about him by the time Christmas rolls around. Maybe appreciate it. Appreciate him a little bit more. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to do it. Read a chapter each day. Give a few devotional thoughts. Again, I'm not the expert. I'm just going to say some things that jumped out to me. Some of you might agree with some of those things, but you'll agree with it, but some of you might have a different emphasis on what the chapter's about. Some of you might be drawn to something else. Hey, that's great. Share it with me. I'd love to hear what you were thinking about or where your mind was wandering as you were reading through the scriptures, what the Holy Spirit might have been leading you to see. That's what's great about this is in a devotional setting, uh, in a setting where there's more than one person involved, you and I are here now. We can share that, learn from one another. You're missing that if you're out alone and aren't a part of a congregation setting where you have the opportunity to be with other people. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time with those kinds of interruptions. I'm sorry. I guess I'm on a little bit of a soapbox today as we're beginning, but one to set that stage. So Luke chapter one, what'd you see? What'd you notice? Well, I'll tell you what, one thing I noticed kind of right from the, the get go here is uh, Luke is really trying to set the tone. He's really trying to show that this is a continuation of God's story. This is not like it's God is, is given a, a plan B, like somehow plan A failed and so now God's going to get it right. No, it's nothing like that at all. Uh, this is God's story continuing. And uh, Luke does an excellent job of, of showing us that. Uh, he does so by talking to us about John the Baptist. Now, why do I say that's just a continuation of the story? Well, hear this from Malachi. Malachi 4, last book of the Old Testament. Uh, last words, actually, of the Old Testament. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers, lest they come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So God says, watch. Right, Israel, watch, be ready. Someone's coming. He's going to prepare the way for the one who is going to come and fulfill all things. So look out, get ready. And after Luke gives his little introduction here, his dedication to Theophilus, explains why he's writing these things, he's going to go straight into it. Hey, look, let's talk about the birth of John the Baptist. And so he does. Hey, and looking at this first chapter, I was wondering, have you ever found yourself in a moment 
in which you are hoping, praying for something absolutely amazing to happen, but you really didn't think that it would take place. Now, this is probably going to seem a little shallow, but growing up, I watched a lot of sports on TV, and I remember thinking that on a lot of occasions. You see the quarterback throw the Hail Mary, right? Please, I pray that he catches it. Or the basketball player throws up that three-pointer. Oh, I really hope it goes in. Or I really hope they score the goal so that finally we can win. You know, kind of moments like that. Of course, there are things in life that are, are, are way more important than that. I know personally, I remember thinking, there's no way that I'm actually going to get married. Am I find a, a beautiful woman, God-fearing woman? That would be unlikely, right? No way that person that's that smart, that attractive, uh, would I actually would I would I be able to find? And man, amazingly enough, God has blessed me with such a woman. Let me tell you. But you kind of know what moments I'm thinking of, right? Where you just think, oh, I hope it happens. That's really what chapter one is showing us. These situations where you think there's no way, no way. No way that God is going to use that person or work in that particular way. But he does. And that's what makes this all so wild, doesn't it? Is that this is just chapter one. This is just the beginning. And Luke is already paving the way for us to to be able to see that this story about Jesus is going to be challenging our realm of possibility. It's almost like you're looking at chapter one and you're thinking to yourself, man, if this is already happening in chapter one, my mind is going to get blown as I continue to read. We look at the birth of John the Baptist, how you have uh, these older parents, right? We have the, the mother of John the Baptist, Elizabeth, who's barren, right? She can't have children and she's advanced in years. It would seem like uh, the line for her, for Zechariah, cut off. No way it's going to happen. Advanced in years. This, this doesn't happen. Yet it's going to. When Zechariah is doing his priestly responsibilities, that's when an angel comes, the angel Gabriel. Your wife is going to have a child, right? And of course, <laughs> Zechariah, oh, and I love it. I love Zechariah. The name Zechariah means the Lord remembers. The Lord is remembering his promise. Remember Malachi, I'm going to send somebody through Zechariah's line. The Lord is remembering the one whose name is the Lord remembers. There's going to be this child, but, but he says, how do I know? How can I be sure? But see, that's the thing. Don't second guess God when he tells you he's going to do something. All right, I'll give you a sign, but it's going to be at your expense. Zechariah, you're not going to be able to talk or speak till after this child comes. But before we get to the birth, the birth of John, we then hear a little bit about Mary, and this child that she's going to have. It's kind of interesting. You go back and forth. John and Jesus, John and Jesus, where John really is preceding Jesus. He is going before Jesus. Really, a lot of what Jesus goes through, John goes through, but Jesus goes through it in a more dramatic way. 
Uh, for instance, John was born in a miraculous way, right? To aged parents, no one ever would have guessed that they'd be able to have a child. But what about Jesus' miraculous birth? No way would you ever in the history of the world ever expect that from a virgin, a child would be born. I mean, this doesn't happen. You see what I mean? Luke is really going to test the realms of possibilities in our own mind. But everything John goes through, Jesus is going to go through too, but to more extremes. Look, John's a great teacher, but Jesus even more so. John's going to have some great wit about him and it's going to be able to refute the Pharisees. Jesus even more so. John is going to go through some persecution. So is Jesus. John is eventually going to, to be killed. So is Jesus. John will lose his head, but, but Jesus is going to be crucified, excruciating pain. Of course, we know that Jesus is greater. He's supposed to be. John is pointing to the greater one. As Jesus will taste death, but only taste death, he will be raised from the grave for all to see, including you and me on that last day when he comes back. So it makes sense for Luke to have a little bit of a break in here as we look a little bit at Mary and what's happening with her. Now, Mary has some similar circumstances. She also has a greeting from Gabriel. Gabriel comes to her. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. You'd think this would be a really great experience. But of course, she was greatly troubled at the saying. If you were to see a messenger from God, a warrior from God, you'd probably be a little troubled as well. Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You will call his name Jesus. Now, I love this, right? Uh, some would suggest that she doesn't have the same skepticism as Zechariah, but she still asks the question, how will this be since I'm a virgin? But the angel responds, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High. This is absolutely incredible. I can't imagine what it would be like to have an angel give me news like this. How would you even describe that? Not only are you going to have a child, but, but the name Jesus, he saves. The Lord saves. That's literally what it means. The Lord is going to be saving. The Lord saves through this one, through this child that you're going to have in such a miraculous fashion. And we see here, this isn't coming to, to someone who'd be considered a noble individual, not someone who's wealthy or rich or well-known. A young girl, Mary. That's who the Lord chooses. So in this family now, you have these, these two miracles happening. And as Mary then goes to visit Elizabeth, because the angel tells her about it, what happens? The baby inside Elizabeth leaps for joy, right? Because of the life that's inside of her, recognizes the spirit of God. It can't help but be filled with joy and dance. See, we see this in chapter 1. 
A child that's not even born yet is, is filled with joy at the presence of the one who saves. Just absolutely amazing. Chapter one, we got a long way to go. Now, unfortunately, I probably should stop here because I don't want to keep on going, going, going because then you'll stop listening for the days to come, right? This is just supposed to be a short little devotion. But I want you to think about this today. Think about this as you're going to work, as you're coming home from work, as you're on your lunch break, whenever you might be listening to this. I want you to really think about this. The God that you worship, the, the true God, our God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, how is he still working today? I think sometimes in our minds we, we forget. We forget that we have a God who does the impossible. We forget that we have a God who is able to do far more than we can possibly imagine. We have a God who saves us. Yes, we have a God that breaks through all of the impossible barriers. Unfortunately, we forget about it or we downplay it. When those hurtful moments come up in life or those stressful moments or those worrisome moments or just the craziness, the busyness of the day occurs, we, we, we don't stop. We don't bring it to the Lord in prayer. We don't go to his word. So I just want to challenge you today to remember all the impossible things, seemingly impossible things that the Lord has done. It comes in the form of a baby to Mary, the, the Virgin Mary, suffers, dies on the cross, but then is, is risen from the grave, rose three days later. This is a miracle. And then he comes to you still as you read his word, as you hear the word proclaimed, as you go to church and receive the Lord's Supper, his body and blood given and shed for you. This is awesome. He's there for you, for me. And he's still working in your everyday life that you are able to continue to observe our God. Do things that seem to be impossible. But of course we know with God, all things are possible. Hey, don't forget to read for tomorrow. Luke chapter two. I will see you then. I am looking forward to it. The Christmas story. Oh man, it's going to be great.